Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. Welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and hey, guess what? Are you ready for some football? That's right. It's week zero. It's football season. Great to have some football back. Will be a fun day. I've got the full preview for you guys this morning. Pre- full preview for 5A, which... Like we mentioned, if you guys if you guys have been listening for the last couple of weeks, been running through each classification. This week finishes it off with 5A as we get ready for the first week of the season here in South Carolina. And then hey, next week we got college football. In a couple of weeks we got the NFL. We're back to the full swing of things, and we're back to football season throughout the country, and it, first off, before I start this morning, I just want to say it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy to think that, you know, it's been a year, now, not quite a year, it's been a little less than a year, but because last year, 
it started um it, it started late last season due to covid and everything um which unfortunately we have to talk about again it's been a crazy week when it comes to that we'll get to that in a little bit but it's crazy to think that it's been a little less than a year since football season was here last. Uh, this year really flew by. Um, and, hey, you know, just in just a few months we'll be back to Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of that good stuff. It, it's crazy. But before we get to talking about Week Zero, talking about the uh, the regular season, talking about 5A, all of that good stuff, just a couple of national notes uh, that I wanted to run through this morning. Uh, for the first half hour, we'll run through those national notes, talk a little national uh, sports news uh, for the first half hour, and then we'll dive right into it in at the bottom of the hour uh, with you know a 5A preview, Week Zero preview, all that good stuff. Got a great host. Great list of guests coming on this morning, going around the state. We'll start down in the low country this morning with David Chelton from the Post and Courier. We'll go out to the Midlands at 8.30 with Lou Bejack from the state. And then at 9, we'll finish it off with the Grand Strand Report. Right up here in the on the Grand Strand, Ian Guerin from Maori News coming on. Talk to him about some things. Lots of craziness. This is, you know, and what's crazy is that last year, even last year with the seven-game schedule and all of that and the concerns about everything and, you know, uh, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. Last year there were a lot of cancellations in the first week as a result of COVID. But I don't think it was this bad. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, and if I am, be sure to call in. I've got the phone lines wide open this morning. Definitely want to hear from you guys. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Definitely want to hear from everyone. Get your thoughts on the season. Get your predictions. If you have any questions for me on certain teams, how I think certain teams will do, all of that good stuff, be sure to call on in, 323-784-9681. But like I said, you know, I I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but it at least it seems to me as though this year, to start off at least, has been even crazier than last year was in terms of the cancellations and, and all of that. But like I said, got a couple of national notes to talk about first this morning uh, before we jump into uh, the high school football preview and and all of that good stuff. First, some MLB, a quick MLB note. Well, a couple of MLB notes, actually. Uh, First, the Cubs and Reds have been announced that they will play the 2022 Field of Dreams game. Um, I mean, these... These two teams, don't get me wrong, these two teams are certainly teams that it makes sense to have them there um, and and all of that with, with how Field of Dreams was. 
Um, would have kind of preferred Cubs and White Sox just because, you know, the White Sox are the main focus. I know that they're trying to mess it up. Uh, franchises. So it makes sense. I'm hoping we get old jerseys. Um, and just for not only the history portion of it, but also there is a movie reference within this as well but personally i would have preferred either cubs and red Sox because you know remember the red Sox are um i forget what his name was in the movie but kevin costner's character the main character was originally from boston and one of the opening shots is him at fenway um so, or I would have liked to see Red Sox and White Sox. That would have been a fun matchup um, to see, to continue the movie tradition. Um, you know, White Sox and Yankees were the teams that played, you know, uh, if I remember correctly. I've seen I've the movie I haven't seen in a long, long time. So I, I think it was the, the I, I know it was the, you know, the eight men out. It was, it was the, uh, the band players who were playing um, initially, but I think there was another team or another group of ghosts that came out, and I think they were Yankees, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but that that would make sense uh, for that. And, you know, would would love to see that tradition continue. I love the fact that they're doing it again. Um but like like I said last week, I'm I hope that they don't I I hope that they don't overdo it because there is that potential like what's happened with the Winter Classic and now the Stadium Series where they see dollar signs and they say I've said it countless times. I'm not sure if I've ever said it on this program, but you know, I say it, you know, just in general all the time. When it comes to any sort of entertainment product, there come there comes that apex where you do something right and you and you build up its popularity and everything, but then the company inevitably sees dollar signs and either tries to push it too far or tries to bring in a foreign audience and then it just tanks. And sometimes they're able to fix their mistake and, and reverse course, and sometimes they're not. I've seen it countless times in, on countless different entertainment products. So as long as they do it right, I'm I'm happy that they're bringing back the Field of Dreams game again next season. Uh, but you know, and I would like I said last week, I would love for them to do some other things. I would love to to see them do other venues, you know, um, you know, figure out some other venues, you know, other classic venues to do it in or unique venues. Um, the other MLB note that I, I saw yesterday, it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, Shohei Otani now is up to 40 home runs this season. And he is the only player in MLB history to be a consistent pitcher 
and hit 40 home runs. Not even Babe Ruth, at least while he was pitching. I, I forget the exact stat. It was like, it, it was, you know, uh, most home runs with, you know, I think X amount of starts. Um, but in, years that he, in years that Babe Ruth started, Consistently, and I'm actually surprised. I actually learned something that I didn't know that he did pitch fairly, you know, not all the time. Obviously, not in his crazy years, not in his 60, 60 home run year or anything like that. But later on, towards the end of his career, he did go back to pitching for a while as well as him. Um, crazy. Not even Babe Ruth did. The highest he ever got in a year that he pitched consistently was 38. And just about that, you know, Shohei Otani is petty. is unique, is a very special player. And while, yes, he is an anomaly, the only one that we've ever really seen do it like this, obviously. You know, the only other one that was on that list, Babe Ruth. Um, so Shohei is in very you know, elite company. Is is in a very select club. But this, you know, looking at Shohei, and obviously the Angels are the Angels are in the AL, so they've made you know they've worked around it. But this should be a, a notice that, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't get rid of the, the DH so quickly. You know, um, like I've said before, I I like the concept of having different rules in the different leagues to make them more unique and to make interleague play more interesting. Um because here's the thing. Let me compare it to the NFL real quick to get you a, give you an idea. Interconference play in the NFL just feels like any other game. You know, if the Giants are playing the Jets or, you know, playing the, you know, think what's a good team to compare it. Let's see. Panthers don't really have any, you know, rivals in the area that are, you know, uh, in the AFC. But, okay, let's say the Panthers are playing the Jaguars or something. You know, it doesn't feel unique. It just feels like another game. You know, it, it it's like, okay, you're playing interconference. Who cares? It doesn't change anything. It's just the same old game. Whereas in baseball, you know, when an AL team has to travel to NL City, those pitchers now have to suit up and bat. So it makes things very much more interesting. And and the World Series especially, it makes things very unique. Well, for Braves fans, they would like to forget this. But, you know, for Yankee fans who can forget Pettit in, in 96, you know, late in the game. In a spot where normally you would see a manager pinch hit to get another hitter up there. 
But Joe Torre rolled the dice. He said, I want my starter. Baby Peck gets a base hit and scores a, and drives in a run. You know, you, you don't get those moments if you cut out the DH. I'm just saying. Uh, speaking of the Jaguars, transitioning over to the NFL, Jaguars released Tim Tebow. While overall, especially after the block, the the block scene around the world, um, if you guys haven't seen it yet, go go check it out. He did his job. Don't I mean? Here's the thing. To his credit, he did his job. Was it a very sloppy block? Was it un, an uncoordinated block? Yeah, yeah, it was. But did he did he block his man and and redirect him a bit? Yeah, yeah, he did. Did he do better than most of us could do? Probably. But um, I'm I while on one hand I'm a little surprised because it was Urban Meyer and I thought you know Urban would for something. I'm not surprised all that much that the Jaguars released him at the same time because you know. And and I think I think at this point, especially because you know his old college coach. Now, granted, he had Trevor Lawrence there, so it's a little different. And and the game has changed since 2011 and 2012 and 2013. But with that being said, I'm. A little surprised that he got cut because I would have thought that Urban Meyer, you know, would have tried to, you know, figure out some sort of spot for him. But I think this, unfortunately, and even at this point, even if he had stayed in the game, I think the the league would have moved on him at this point. But he showed that he could win, and and I, I've said this before. He showed that he could win, and he had that it, it factor that when you know when push came to shove in crunch time, he could win games, and you know that should be all that matters is whether or not you're able to win games, and he was able to do that. You know, was he the most orthodox quarterback? No, not at all, but. Did, you know, did he do what he needed to do to win football games? Absolutely. But unfortunately, this is probably the end to the Tebow saga. Not sure where he goes next. Probably back to ESPN and back into the college football booth or or the college football table as an analyst. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see. I'm, you know, good luck to him, obviously, but, you know, kind of disappointed that, you know, that it didn't happen the way it was. Didn't happen the way, the way it should, it, 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 it could have. Um, one more note before I take a break on the NFL front. Um, and this was interesting when I saw it. Washington football team have, Finally, 
and I'm surprised that they're doing it now. I thought, you know, you should have done this months ago, and we should have had a decision for this season. But it looks like this will be, hopefully, the last season that the Washington football team will be known as the Washington football team. They have cut their list of possible team names down to three options out of eight finalists. They did not announce, kind of surprising, they didn't announce who the three, you know, the three true finalists were, but they did announce what the eight finalists were. Those are Armada, President, Brigade, Red Hogs, Commanders, Red Wolves, Defenders, and keeping Washington football team. Let me go through each name and and give you my thoughts on which which out of th- these I think the three finalists should be, and then which name that was you know not on there should have been put in there. Armada, nah, don't don't like it all that much. President is an interesting idea, especially considering, you know, uh, you know, the other names of the of the teams in in the area. Uh, you know, you got the Nationals and you got the uh you got the Nationals and you got the Capitals. Um and then you have the Wizards who are just the odd the odd man out. Um, I wouldn't mind presidents, but I feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Granted, you could essentially keep the same logo that you had as the Redskins and just change it, you know, uh, uh, or not quite the same, but similar and basically just change it to, you know, George Washington or, or Thomas Jefferson, essentially, um, and just have them replace the the redskin head. Um, Brigade, not much of a fan of that one. Red Hogs, I like because it keeps the red and it keeps the you know the the pig uh, the pig mascot that the fans had. Uh, Commanders, not a big fan of Red Wolves. I wouldn't mind. Defenders, I wouldn't mind either. Uh, and then obviously Washington football team, if they stick with that, they're just being ridiculous at this point. The one name the one name that I thought would have been the perfect way of amending, you know, um, making amends to their past and the whole reason why they needed to change their name in the first place would have been Red Tails and and paying tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen. And a lot of people said that from the beginning. There was a big call for it and it would have kept the red. I don't get why they didn't go with that. I mean, I'm not surprised because, you know, this is Dan Snyder we're talking about. But I'm I'm uh, at the same time I'm I'm disappointed that they didn't. That being said, my top three 
if I were choosing. Definitely Red Hogs. That would probably be my top choice. Red Hogs. Uh, Red Wolves would be my second. And then a toss-up between either the Presidents or the Defenders. One of those two would, would be my third option. Um, so, you know, one of those three options I'd be okay with. Like I said, Red Hogs, I, especially out of those, especially out of those options that they gave me, Red Hogs hands down the best, and, and if they went and if they chose Red Hogs, I wouldn't mind it. I'd be like, okay. I, I, my my thought would have been okay. You know this this keeps the red keeps their fans happy because they're able to keep their you know because here's the thing here's the difference between the the you know the Redskins now Washington football team and the Indians now well for now Guardians we don't know if that's gonna stick but. And and even for like the Braves or Florida State, it's a little different. The Redskins never had like yeah, I'm sure some people. I, mean, I mean, I know for a fact actually, some people did wear the the headdress every now and again and whatnot. But that wasn't an iconic look of the Redskins fans. It was more so the pig nose. That was the look of Redskins fans. That was their that was their trademark. So sticking with that would make your fans happy and make it so that a lot of them wouldn't even need to change their gear for game day. So I that's the best option hands down. Now obviously for the Indians it's a little, it was a little trickier. Because most of their fan gear and most of their look was based around Chief Wahoo and the headdress and all of that. Braves, same thing. It's going to be hard if they ever decide to change. It's going to be hard for them to get rid of things like the tomahawk chop. Same with Florida State. I mean, I, I I think the Seminoles have a deal with the Seminole Nation. Where they're protected because I didn't, because remember this whole thing happened a few years back when it came to uh, when it came to uh, you know changing native names in college and and some teams had to change some teams didn't um, but yeah like I said Red Hogs hands down is the best option out of those options. If they don't go with that, then they're being very, very stupid. Let's just put it that way. So I'll take a quick break, and then when I come back, we will have a full 5A and Week Zero preview ahead for you. And if you want to get your thoughts in on anything, be sure to call in, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back, right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. 
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And like I mentioned, like pro- as promised, got full full preview for you guys this morning for uh for week 0. But before we get to that, I I hate to have to do this to you guys, but we have to talk about COVID because this has been like I mentioned at the open this morning, this has been a crazy, crazy week. I, I'll i have to ask both Lou and Ian, and I may even ask David Shelton this. It, as compared to last year, was this, was this week worse? Um, but let's get right into it. So, started off. Over well, either I think it was either Friday, it was either Friday or Saturday. Uh, Pickens County decided to shut down everything last week. Uh, it forced the Pickens versus Liberty game to be canceled. Um, and originally, it also had Easley and Wade Hampton canceled as well. But apparently, I guess they were put in quarantine and they were able to get out of quarantine, uh, they'll get out of quarantine maybe today, I think. 
and they'll be allowed to uh they'll be able to play tonight or not tonight. They they move that game, the week zero game, up to Monday. So they will able they will be able to play on Monday. And then the fun really began. I mean, there were a few games over the weekend, a few games here and there, uh, but the fun really occurred on Monday where at least 14 games were canceled, according to Ian Guerin. Um, By his calculation, he came up with 14. I tried to keep up with it as much as I could, but I don't even know if I got all the cancellations and whatnot. So let's run through some of them. Uh, Keenan and Timberland was canceled. York and Malden was canceled. Uh, Some crazy craziness happened in the Midlands slash, uh, you know, well, yeah, Midlands. Um, And I'll talk about that. Let's run through some of the other ones first, and then I'll jump back to that. This is something I'm definitely going to have to ask Lou Bezek about. Um, when he comes on at 8. Daniel and Wes Ashley was canceled. Louisville and Lawrence Manning canceled. Columbia versus Chesterfield canceled. Uh, Columbia was able to get uh, an opponent for tonight. They will face off against Louisville tonight. James Island versus Wes Mecklenburg was canceled. Landrum against Buford canceled. Chester against Union County was canceled. Chester did find an opponent, so they will play Charleston, or, excuse me, Charlotte Providence tonight. Crestwood versus Lancaster canceled. Walhalla versus Westo canceled. Central versus Buford uh, was added to the schedule. Colleton County versus Wade Hampton was canceled. C.A. Johnson versus Denmark Olar was canceled. C.A. Johnson did pair up with Wade Hampton. They will face off against each other tonight. Uh, Military Magnet versus Hanahan was canceled. Cross and Burke was canceled. May River uh, did get, they had their game canceled, but they got, uh, they paired up with Orangeburg-Wilkinson to play tonight. Branchville and Dorchester Academy was canceled. Fox Creek and Dreer was canceled. Uh, Fox Creek um, Fox Creek had another craziness. Um, I'll talk about the one. In, this is another one, too, um, that I, I'll have to talk to uh, Lou Bezhek about. Because Fox Creek got East Clarendon on the schedule. But then late last night, uh, it came out that that game was canceled. That East Clarendon got a got put in quarantine. So now the the big question I have for Lou is, is it possible for Fox Creek to potentially get a very, very, very last-minute uh, opponent uh, for tonight? Or, or is it, you know, that they're done? They're completely done for this week. Uh, Lamar and Timminsville was canceled. Johnsonville and Marion was canceled. Um, Carver's Bay uh, and Waccamaw was canceled last week. We already knew about that from Waccamaw being pulled out of the uh, CMB Hickoff Classic. 
Uh, Marion will now play Carver's Bay. Uh, that was actually played last night. We'll get you the full recap and, and score on that uh, in just a little bit. Hartsville and Marlboro County canceled. Latta and Chiraw canceled. Latta will now play Marlboro County, so those two teams paired up. Hilton Head and Wilson was canceled. And here in on the Grand Strand, North Merrill Beach versus Conway was canceled as well as a result of quarantine. But that's not the biggest news to come out here out of the Grand Strand this week. Uh, but before we get to that, let me go back to talking about that that one big crazy mess uh, of a scheduling conflict up in the Midlands. So Irmo versus Chapman was canceled. And Airport versus Swansea was canceled initially. Those were the two initial games. Then Chapman and Keenan paired up. But then Keenan got COVID, and that game was canceled. Airport and Crestwood was originally added, but then Crestwood got put into quarantine. That game got canceled. And now Chapman will face Airport tonight. Third potential matchup of the week. Of the week. This is the world that we're going to live in for the next couple of months. And what's even crazier, if if we don't get our act together, we could be right back where we were. And like I said, this is a question I'm going to ask Lou and Ian when they come on. And, and David. At least to me, feels like this has been even crazier than last year in terms of the sheer amount of cancellations that we got in in week 0 because i know i know there were some last year i remember that there were at least a few last year primarily in the midlands last season but i don't remember this many don't remember it being this many. And so now it's a matter of we need to figure out what to do about this. And, you know, well, I'll talk about it in a second, but some regions have decided to be proactive with this. And and I'll ask Lou about this as well. It, you know, uh, on whether... Um, whether whether some other regions are going to decide to be more proactive about this as well. So like I said, the big news coming out of the Grand Strand this week was that on Monday, on what I, I've been referring to as Black Monday, with all of those cancellations, at least 14, in one day, Region 6-5A decided to be proactive and voted to play two region matchups. Cut out, basically, essentially cut out the non-region schedule. They, each team will have two spots to fill in a, fill in non-region games. A lot of them are being played, well, some of them are being played tonight. Um, actually, I think... I think if I remember correctly, I think only 
two of them are being played tonight. St. James will play um, Loris on, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Um, Sockesty lost their game. Conway lost their game to North Myrtle. I believe Sumter is playing tonight. And Carolina Forest, weather permitting, will be heading up to North Carolina and playing West Brunswick tonight. Uh, I'll have all that action for you uh, live on SHN Sports. Go to shnsports.com slash Carolina if you want to listen to that game tonight. So both, you know, each team will have the chance to play two non-region games. With since there's five teams in the region, so four games, four times two is eight, plus two is ten. But even with that, it still destroyed some very good non-region games. A, ve- a couple of very good non-region schedules. Uh, before I get to that, the way that this is going to work is Whatever the last game between two opponents was, was the the last game played between two opponents, that is the one that will count towards region play. So if you play both of the games against a certain opponent, only the second game will count towards region standings. But if you get, you know, obviously if you get quarantined for the first one and play the second one, then the second one counts. But if you get quarantined, if you play the first one, but then you cannot play the second one, then then the first one will be the one that will count towards region standings. Now, I may have to ask Ian about this. I don't even know if he necessarily knows the answer to this. In the very unlikely in the very unlikely scenario that neither game is able to be played, I wonder what happens then. That's a question I'll have to ask Ian when he comes on. Um, but like I was saying, this destroys some very good non-region games. Carolina Forest was supposed to play Ridgeview. Was supposed to play what? was supposed to travel to Ridgeview's brand-new stadium, was supposed to travel to West Florence's brand-new stadium, and was going to host Fort Dorchester. And on top of those three games, which we already knew they were going to lose, Myrtle Beach decides to pull out and change their schedule for week one, even though they didn't have to. A lot of speculation on whether... Very mad that Region 6-5A did this so late in the game. Gonna have to ask. That's another question I'm a, I'm asking in later on. Of you know, if there's bad blood there now, um, and how this may impact things in the future. Uh, but yeah, some pretty crazy. That's another crazy storyline that may come into play. Not this year, obviously, now. But next year, you know, and and going into realignment and and what happens there, 
some intriguing things going on now with that. And you know, even on the other, even in other sports, you may see it. You know, uh, impact things. Uh, Conway lost a few good games. You know, they they were, obviously they lost the game at North, North Merrill Beach for this week already. Lawrence's brand new digs. They were supposed to travel to Myrtle Beach, and they were supposed to travel to Blythewood. Uh, Sockasty was supposed to play at Myrtle Beach and at Dillon. St. James was going to play at North Myrtle. Sumter lost a bunch of good games. They were supposed to play at Berkeley, against Blythewood, and at Dorman. Or, excuse me, against, against Dorman at home. Sumter does retain their game at Ridgeview due to having a bye week that week. Uh, and Dorman and Ridgeview uh, used this opportunity to team up and fill uh, what, fill their gaps uh, that were caused by this. But now the question is, is you know, does this start? There were that decided to move uh, games up but not nearly as big as Region 6-5A. Region 7-2A moved up their games to three to Week 3, and Region 2-1A moved up Region games up two weeks. Um, before we get to scores and previews and all of that, uh, a few um, capacity notes that were... Well, real quick, one more schedule change that happened uh, that isn't happening this week, but still a a big deal. Actually, two. The first one, Gaffney and Dutch Fork both lost their game for week one, and they decided to team up, and they will play next week. That's going to be a fun game to watch. And and this is why, and this is why in college I... I I love to say, first off, let me just say it. I love the fact that these schools are able to move so quickly and, and be able to change on the fly. This has been such a great experiment in cooperation and collaboration over these last couple of years. And they, and we've seen that it's possible. It's seen, we've seen that it's, it's possible to be able to switch on the fly in less than a week's notice. In in some cases, in just a day's notice. That we've seen schools lose a game and then a few hours later say, "Oh, we've got we've got an opponent now. We we've got a new opponent." So. So it's been great to see that. It's been great seeing that um, that happen. Um, and Gaffney facing off against Touch Fork is just one of those examples of being able to very quickly, you know, uh, very quickly switch gears. Um before we get into previews, which I may have to cut a little short, I'm not. I David Shelton said that he he should be able to come on at eight, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So just in case, I'm gonna 
save a couple of things to talk about just in case he's not able to come on. Um, but uh, Thursday, Thursday scores. Uh, Hannah Pamplinko beat McBee 45-26. And Marion beat Carver's Bay 28-20. to um, Before I get into some games to watch this week and whatnot and go through the media poll and all of that, um, let me do a, a quick, quick 5A preview uh, before I take a break. And then we'll uh and then we'll go from there. So five A this season. Starting up top at region one. Region one I think is gonna be interesting. Obviously T L Hannah I think is is still probably the team to beat in that region. But, you know, Hillcrest I think is a team that could certainly make a statement. I don't know if they're going to get above T.L. Hanna, but I think they're going to make it close. I think they're going to make it close this year. It was close last year, 4-0 to 3-1. And And the game, you know, the the one game that they lost was, you know, against, was against T.L. Hanna. And, you know, it it wasn't that close, 31 to 16, but, you know, I think they'll take a step up this year. But I still I'm gonna pick T L Hannah to win win the region. Uh in in region two, I think it's still Dormans to lose. Burns, you know, they're close. They're close. Uh there yet. Uh Dorman is always the cream of the crop in region two, it seems. Uh region three, I think Gaffney has that one in the bag. I don't think anyone's getting anywhere close to them even. Spring uh, will do things. Nation 4 will do things. But, you know, Gaffney. Gaffney is the one is the team to beat there. Region 4 is going to be interesting. Because Northwestern, you know, was the cream of the crop in that region last year. But especially with all the hype of the new stadium... And with, you know, with all the pieces that they have over there, you know, uh, I'll talk polls later. Northwestern is is still ranked above Ridgeview this year at three. This is going to be a very tight race, and I think Ridgeview may get the upper hand. I'm going to take Ridgeview to, to win this region. Uh, but, you know, Northwestern's going to be right behind them. I think Blythewood will be there, too. So, uh, you know, that's a very strong region, Region 4. Region 5, I I don't think anything's going to change. We heard it last year that, oh, this isn't the Dutch Fork of old. They still won the state championship. You know, they still beat just about everyone by, you know, well, they did beat everyone by double digits, and you know the only team that even gave them a run for their money at any point in the season was Carolina Forest. You know, Carolina Forest was able to put forty-two points up on them. Everyone else, the 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 next closest was 
Lexington at 13. First off, that that, that just shows that if Carolina Forest would have been in any other classification, they probably would have won the state championship last year. But it also shows that shows how strong Dutch Fork is. That they could, you know, I mean, they scored the most points they did all season uh, last year against Carolina Forest with 68. Or excuse me, actually, no, I take that back. Scored more against White Knoll in the first, in week one. But Dutch Fork is still the team to beat there. River Bluff will be close, but. In Region 6, Region 6 is going to be interesting because especially watching this team in practice and and at scrimmages and jamborees and all of that, Carolina Forest is going to have some growing pains. And and this is something I'm going to ask, you know, Ian when he comes on, what he thinks on this. Changing it to an all-region schedule. And now losing Myrtle Beach, and we don't know who they're going to replace Myrtle Beach with. But that makes the schedule a lot easier than it was. And this team, I think for this team in particular, it helps them. Last year would have been the perfect year to have that, that grind of a schedule. That buzzsaw of the schedule. But this year, I think the change actually helps them. Because they don't... Because they're going to have some growing pains. Are they going to make the playoffs? Absolutely. Are they going to be probably runners... You know, are they at least going to be runners up in Region 6? Absolutely. But I think they're going to have some growing pains. And what makes it harder, too... Is it is that they have to start off the region again at Sumter, or actually no, I take that back. I take that back. Um, I think I think they start off against Con- yeah they start off against Conway. Never mind. And then they have to travel to Sumter in week three. Uh, but still. You know, having to travel to Sumter now again, you know, especially now they'll want they'll have revenge on their mind from last year, how they lost that game last year. But at the same time, you know, that those games between Carolina Forest and Sumter will determine, and maybe it's a good thing that they get to travel to Sumter first, and then the real game against against the Gamecocks is at home because that may give them some confidence. And especially without having Davin Jackson on the field. And with that, you know, with, without, with, without having Davin Jackson out there because of his, his tour in ACL, that's going to help the Panthers a lot in that game. And I think it's going to hurt Sumter a lot. It's going to be a tight race. Basically, it's going to come down to whoever wins that game again, like it did last year. 
Panthers might be able to pull it off. I'm going to put this one as a as a, you know, toss up. But I I'll I'll pick the Panthers to win the region. Do I think it'll happen? Not sure. But, you know, could it happen? Absolutely. Region 7, I think it's Goose Creeks to lose this year. And uh, in Region 8, it's definitely Fort Dorchester to lose this year. That'll uh, that'll get me to a break. Um, I'll take a quick break, come right back with... Uh, We'll potentially have David Shelton from the Post and Courier coming on. If not, I'll go through a full Week Zero preview, get you guys ready for Week Zero. If he does come on, ask him some questions, get his thoughts on Week Zero, all of that good stuff. So keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Hey, yo, you ready? Let's do it. Still them, catch the know, pack the flow, that's for sure. The pop, 
to rock, play the background, handle my shot, holding my money to get, cars to flip, love it, place nothing above it, it's on like that, don't believe we ain't going like that, we're always going to be here, we there. Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central, and looks like we may not have David Shelton this morning. Uh, so I'm I'm actually glad that I uh, I decided to hold off on some other things to talk about. That way, I've got some stuff to talk about uh, for this uh, top of the hour. So you know. Like I said, we went through the 5A preview already. You know, I I, I threw out most of the stuff that, that I wanted to talk about uh, for 5A for the preview of the season as a whole. Like I mentioned, until someone beats them, the team to beat will forever be uh, Dutch Fork. I was about- I was about to say North Augusta because at the same time as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, un- until someone beats them, like how North Myrtle Beach beat North Augusta in, in girls basketball last season. Uh, so, but yeah, this, uh, oh, actually, I take that back. Got David Shelton on. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been uh I'm been a crazy week for you, um, as it's been for all of us. Um lots of cancellations, lots of changes due to COVID. What's been the feeling around Low Country on everything going on and what have coaches been doing to keep themselves and their teams from going crazy over all the changes? Well, I think the the primary thing is they just stay focused on on what's ahead. Uh, if if they haven't got COVID by today, they know they're playing tonight um, or by yesterday. Um, if they haven't had any any issues, they they've been focused on. Uh, most of them just you know every day is a practice. You know we we hope that we get through it, and uh, we get to Friday we play a game. Um, next week may not be that case. They may not play a game, but uh, most coaches around here for the most part have told me they. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's in the back of their mind. They, they certainly understand that it, it could happen, but as long as it hasn't, they're going to prepare just like they would any other week and hope that they get to Friday night and, and can play. Uh, some regions, not in the Low Country yet, but around the state, have pushed up region games in order to protect their region schedule, and especially with all the cancellations around the state this week, have there been any rumblings of? the potential of some regions 
pushing up play region play uh, in order to protect their region schedule? Um, not that I have heard. Uh, maybe Region 7A is a possibility. I think there have been some talks, but I know the 5A regions, there's two here, 7 and 8, they're, they're not interested. They're, they're going to play the schedule as it is. Um, as one coach told me, he says, we're not going to hit the panic button and make all kind of wholesale changes. We're going to play the schedule that we have. If it means that we don't play in October and we miss region games, so be it. Um, so there, none of them, no no athletic director or football coach in Region 7 or 8 that I talked to had any stomach for that. They were just going to continue on their, their current track. Whether it's wise or not, it's not for me to decide, but that's their attitude. So I don't, you know, maybe Region 7, 4A, that, in, that is a cross-section of, a couple of Charleston area schools and some Beaufort County schools, you know, maybe they get together and do something. Um, the 3A conference has not mentioned anything about it, and the 2A conference, uh, to my knowledge, coach in that region this week, and he said, yeah, they met as a region and they just decided to keep it as is. So um, it, it it really kind of surprised a lot of people that region – um, 6-5-A with Carolina Forest and Sockesty and Conway and Sumter. Um, it kind of surprised a lot of people they did it. Um, I, I think that caught a lot of people off guard. They knew they were meeting, but I don't think they thought they were going to make that drastic change, and they did, which left a lot of schools scrambling for games. And as it turns out, there's some pretty good matchups that were created through that. Um, but uh, as far as the schools I cover, the you know 45 schools or so, um, public and private, I, I have not been able to find anybody that was in favor of that idea. Has Region 7 and 8 come up with any sort of, you mentioned, you know, it, since they're not moving the schedule, they're basically saying if we lose region games, we lose region games. Have they come up with contingency plans in terms of how playoff uh, playoff seeding would occur if that happens? Well, the, the one coach I talked to said that they talked about some things, but nothing was set in stone. Again, they're they're kind of in wait and see mode. Um, you know, he kind of basically said, hey, if we get to region play and my team has to forfeit twice and that bumps us from first to third or fourth, so be it. We'll go in the playoffs. We'll do our best. Um, you know, this is a different time. Um, I think I think the the major uh, fight fight back against that plan was playing everybody twice in your region. Um, I don't think there was a whole lot of uh, love for that plan. So, you know, yeah, you could play them early and it counts, and then you get to October and that game comes up again and you got COVID, so you don't play it. Um, I think if everyone could have figured out a schedule, you know, maybe if this was done in early August and everyone would have had time to you know, redo their schedule. I think you might have saw some difference, but, you know, as one coach said, he goes, the haze in the barn, we're playing Friday night, and, and, you know, we have a schedule, that's what we're going to try to play, and we're going to hope that uh, that we can get through it, but if we have to forfeit a game um, for not playing it, then we'll, we'll, that's what we'll do, but we'll try to win the other ones that we do get to play. So, again, depending on the timing, you could lose two games. Um and maybe at the end of the year, if they didn't make the playoffs and there was a team out there that, you know, maybe from Region 6 or somewhere that they didn't make their full schedule and didn't make the playoffs, maybe they would add a game. But um, I just haven't got a sense of 
uh, whether right or wrong, I, I, I don't feel like there's a sense of urgency to to totally redo the schedule. They're just gonna they're gonna do the best they can um, to try to get through it. If they have to lose some non-region games, okay, they'll they'll, they'll live with that. Um, you know, but they'll try to be healthy for those four or five. You know, those those two regions only have five teams, so you're only talking about four games, uh, region games. So, you know, any team that played two and won two is probably going to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, that that would be in a normal year. The two wins would probably get you in the top four out of the five teams. So, uh, but but if there are tiebreakers and there are some head-to-head stuff and all that, I, I don't know their plan because I don't think if they have a plan, they haven't made it known, and they're just going to sit on it and see what happens. You mentioned, uh, you know, how the Region 6-5A deciding to go to the just region play affected teams down there, particularly Fort Dorchester. Have they have there been any rumblings, or have they said anything about who they might bring in as a replacement for Carolina Forest? No, they don't have an opponent right now. Right now, they are officially on a bye week that September 10th, Friday, in a couple of weeks. Now, they're looking, um, I was told yesterday, they're looking out of state, you know, Georgia, Florida coast, I mean, Florida border, you know, maybe three hours away, um, looking in North Carolina, which which I don't think they'll get a lot. I, I think if they find a team, I mean, maybe a team in Char- uh, in the Carolinas will, will have an opening, but I, I kind of think, if they get an opening, if they get a team, it's going to be from from Georgia. Hmm. Uh, before or uh, yeah, before the season starts, go, going around the Low Country, who are some of the teams to look out for? Obviously, Fort Dorchester looks like they're going to be strong. Same with Oceanside. Are there any other teams that may surprise some people this season? Well, I, I think the I think there are five teams in the Charleston area that are kind of a cut above everybody else. That would be uh, Fort Dorchester, Oceanside, Goose Creek, uh, West Ashley, and Hanahan. Um, now, that's reaching at the number five spot. Um, after Hanahan, there's a lot of decent teams, you know, James Island, Cane Bay, Somerville, Ashley Ridge, Philip Simmons. Um, you know, those teams are going to be competitive, uh, but – None, none of those I feel like could make a deep run in the playoffs. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know. After Oceanside and Ford, I don't, I don't know if there's a team that that's going to make a deep run in the playoffs. You know, they're good, and they're they're good. You know, they're going to be of the better teams down here, but um, it's not a particularly deep uh, list of teams in the Low Country this year. I mean, those, those four or five are probably going to be the best teams, and then you you'll see where a Somerville or a Cane Bay. You know how they're going to start and, and how they get through the season. Certainly capable, but kind of on that outside looking in right now from those top four or five. Looking at some of the games tonight, um, the big matchup in the Low Country this week um, is looking to answer one of those old age-old questions that has been around forever in, in high school sports and and in college as well. Can that powerful 2A or 3A team beat the beat the 5A? Does Oceanside have any sort of chance against Goose Creek tonight, or is this just a game that they get, you know, as kind of a learning experience for them? 
Oh, oh no, they they've got a real shot. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all if they won it. It's just the biggest regular season game in their school history. They've never played a 5A school um, where they're strong. Goose Creek's a little bit weak on the flip side, such as up front. Uh, Goose Creek's got four offensive linemen who are first-year starters. Oceanside's got five offensive linemen who are multi-year starters. Goose Creek's defensive line has really one one guy that's back that played a bunch. Their defense only had like two or three guys coming back. And um, Oceanside with with Colby Shirey transferring from Somerville to play quarterback with Vaughn Blue, you know, maybe not quite the receivers that Goose Creek has. Certainly Goose Creek has great a great passing game. But with the physicality of what I think this game's gonna be up front, I mean I would give I would give Oceanside a real shot to win this game. It would not the only thing that will surprise me tonight is if one team blows out the other. If it's like a thirty five to seven game. I, I just don't I don't see that. I, I think you know, Goose Creek has that passing game, and they got that the really good running back. Uh, they're probably going to feed him and try to establish him and, and make Oceanside get physical. Um, the depth would be a concern. You know, there's probably more guys at Goose Creek than Oceanside's got. So, you know, if they start, if Oceanside starts dropping some players, that, that could be an issue. But I, I, I think this is really a, a coin flip based on the matchups. I really think Oceanside. Um, can win this game tonight. Not 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 sure they will, but and I wouldn't you know advise anybody out there listening to go put the money on it. But uh, it would not shock me if Oceanside won this game. It would not be a huge upset in my mind. Are there any other games that you've got your eye on for tonight or this weekend that should be good ones? Well, <laughs> that's funny. I haven't checked the schedule to see if it changed overnight. <laughs> we, um, we all- because yeah, that's kind of what, you, kinda what you got to do now. You got to look and see what happened. Um, yeah. You know, so I check the Twitter and see if, you know, oh, we got COVID last night at the JV game or whatever. Um, but I, I think Spartanburg and Greer are going to play. I think that's a, a really interesting game. Um, you know, the, the holy war down here between Portagown and Bishop England, again, not a marquee game. Two teams that are just coming off COVID that are probably going to be a little stale. Didn't get a lot of scrimmage stuff in. so. But it is a very intense rivalry. I mean, it's a, it's a rivalry that goes way back. Uh, they went a long time without playing, and they rekindled it a few years ago. Um, so I I think from a from an interest standpoint, that that'll that'll draw some interest here in the Low Country. Um, but like I said, I, I I hesitate to say any games because I don't know which ones they are. Maybe you know, but uh, I haven't had a chance to to do the hour long scroll through Twitter looking for schedule change. Luckily, I, I've created a uh, a list with yourself, Lou, Ian, all the writers, and and a lot of the and some of the other news people that you know. I keep track of things much more fluidly that way than I ever do just trying to scroll through my entire Twitter feed. So yeah. uh, it, it it it's certainly going to be a crazy. Uh, a, a crazy year. Are you? I'm. Are you going to Goose Creek tonight? No, actually, Rob Gant will be covering that game for us. Um, he he covers Goose Creek with the Goose Creek Gazette. So wow. having two people there, we share the same stuff. Having two people there uh, would make sense. So I'll, I'll I'll probably head over to Bishop England and Portugal and uh, and cover the Holy War. And um, we may have one other game covered, uh, Pinewood and, and St. John's. There's actually a jamboree tonight. 
in Dorchester County with Somerville, Ashley Ridge, Woodland, and Fort. Um, I don't think they're going to get much coverage um, because it is a jamboree, but they'll actually be doing their their countywide jamboree tonight, which is a little later than usual, but as it worked out, it's probably better they made it this date. Yeah, I, I noticed that none of those schools in in Region Seven were playing uh, were playing in Week Zero, and I was kind of surprised, but I guess that's the that's the reason for why they're doing that. Uh, well, good. Ha- have fun tonight. It should be in. It should be a good one over at Bishop England, uh, and ho- hopefully, hopefully there aren't any more last minute changes that throw us for a loop. Yep, we'll we'll get through it, and we'll get through it week by week. Yep. Uh, assuming there's games every week, there'll be some games, and and we'll get through it. And um, just you know, I'm concerned about some things, but I'm also just focused on doing my job and having fun on Friday night and going to see football. Hopefully, that will enable us. Hopefully, we'll get to do that every week. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, at least you don't have to worry about weather tonight. I have to worry about if my game's going to get lightninged out tonight. Well, that has been a problem in the low country this week. It it has been stormy every night, and I think they're calling for about a 50-50 chance of thunderstorms. And, you know, where where Porter Gals located right down there on the water, that's the sea the sea storms, as they call yeah. them, come in. Um, so we we may have an issue, but hopefully if it rains, it's after 10 o'clock. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, thanks for joining me this morning, David, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, no problem. Have a good day. You too. That was David Chelton from the Post and Courier, and hey, so he, I may not be the only one that may have some problems tonight, um, because yeah, it's supposed to rain up in West Brunswick tonight. I was looking at the forecast tonight, and it was saying, you know, thunderstorms, I forget. Let me actually look, let, let me be a meteorologist for a second and, and look to see what the uh, what the uh, percentage was on that. Because I remember there was like a, you know, see, as of, this was as of last night. Let me update. It was 44% chance last night. Let's see if it's it's changed since then. But while I I wait for that to, to load up, let me go through some of the other notes. Like I mentioned, um, you know, Let's look at some of those games to watch. I mentioned already Goose Creek versus Oceanside. That's one game to watch tonight. Um, Gaffney and Spartanburg, as as David mentioned, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Greenwood and Hill and Hillcrest. That's going to be a good one as well. That's going to be a game that uh, you know both of those schools are expected to be at the top of their region. Um, and so the question is, it's a 5A versus 4A game, so it's not exactly, you know, a, it's not exactly a game that, you know, you're, uh, what am I trying to say? It's not exactly a game that, you know, it's, it's a big thing for region play or anything like that, but, you know, it's. It's still one of those games, and that's one of the things I was mentioning it before. That's one of the things I like about 
high school sports as compared to college, you know, you still you get the rankings, you get the the speculation on things, but the game is won lost on the field. And you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, if I schedule this opponent this, you know, lower opponent that we should be able to beat and I lose that certainly means my season's over. You know, no, you can bounce back. All that really matters is your region region play. And and it creates fun matchups like we've like we've seen this week. It creates those that potential for those matchups to see, you know, what what can happen. And that's what's fun to see you want to see those non-region matchups and you know p you know that's what i think would happen if you expanded the playoffs in college is that you would see a lot more big time non-conference matchups because one loss wouldn't automatically knock you out of the playoffs like i mentioned let me just let you know yeah now it's up to 51 percent chance of uh thunder of rain scattered thunderstorms tonight Throughout the evening, out in Shalot. So I may have an either either a very short or a very very long uh, night tonight. Uh, so you know, for those of you who are Carolina Forest fans who listen to me on on a weekly basis, and you know your. Um, and, and you want to know if the game's going to go on, stay tuned on, on uh, Carolina Forest Panther uh, Ball Network, CFHS uh, Panther FBN on Twitter. Um, follow me there, and whenever I get an update, I'm at, after I get off the show, I'm going to text Athletic Director Trip Satterwhite to see if he had it. On what's going on and what not um, for tonight. So be sure to stay. Be sure to uh, stay tuned on uh, on Twitter. Um, but like I said, let me go back before I take a quick break, and then I'll have Lou Bezak from the state coming on in just a little bit. Um, going through some other games tonight that should be fun to see. Uh, Ren and Dutch Fork are playing tonight. That's going to be a pretty good game. I think Dutch Fork should be able to win the game, but it's still going to be an interesting game to watch. Ridgeview opens up their brand new uh, facility, Westwood tonight. Uh, that should be an interesting game again. I think West or I think Ridgeview should be able to win that one, but should be a fun one either way. Great Collegiate and Camden are playing tonight. That should be a good one. Lakeview and Aner are playing tonight. Uh, that should be an interesting game, uh, you know, 1A versus 3A. And then Lake City and Dillon are playing tonight. And then South Florence are also opening up their new digs against Bluffton. But unfortunately for them, I forget if I mentioned this uh, before, but Oregon County Schools announced that they that um, – their stadiums will not have capacity limits, so they will be 100% capacity. But Bruin Stadium, at least, I haven't heard about the other Florence One schools. But at least tonight, 
Bruins Stadium will be limited to 50% capacity. So kind of disappointing for them that, you know, they don't get to open their stadium uh, with a full crowd. You know, unfortunately, that's the world we live in now, but, you know, it's still disappointing. I mean, granted, two NFL teams have new these stadiums last year, so it could be worse. It could certainly be worse. Uh, so I'll take a quick break. Come right back. We'll have Lou Bedjack from the state coming on when we return right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscoping, waiting for Lou Bejack from the state to call in. And while I wait, run through a few more notes around the state. Like I mentioned, went through all of the uh, games to watch, but, you know, still lots of good games tonight. I'll be at Carolina Forest up over the across the border up in uh, North Carolina for their game against West Brunswick. Weather permitting, of course. Uh, so, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that uh, throughout the um, throughout the day. And like I mentioned earlier, if uh, if if you want to keep track of that. Follow me on uh, CFHS uh, Panthers FBN uh, to keep track of everything there. We'll run through the uh, the media poll while we wait for uh, Lou Bejek to call in. Up in 5A, surprise, surprise, who's at number one and got all the number one votes? It's Dutch Fork. Um, like I mentioned, there's, there's not really much... Uh, much else to say about Dutch Fork other than until someone beats them, they're still going to be the top dog in 5A. Fort Dorchester is at two. Northwestern's at three. Dorman and T.L. Hanna are tied for fourth. Ridgeview is at six. Gaffney at seven. Burns at eight. Sumter at nine. And River Bluff is at ten. Also receiving votes there Spartanburg, Chapin, Hillcrest, Nation Ford, Malden, and West Ashley. Um, kind of surprising to not see Carolina Forest up there, but I kind of get it. At the same time, they lost a lot. They've lost a lot of pieces, um, and there are some question marks about about you know how good they're going to be after losing all those pieces. Uh, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Four uh, A AC Flora is at one with seven first place votes. Myrtle Beach is at two with two first-place votes. Greenville is at three with one first-place vote. Catalpa Ridge at four. South Point at five. North Myrtle Beach at six. Westside at seven. Buford at eight. Irmo at nine. Greer at ten. Also receiving votes are North Augusta, May River, Greenwood, and Airport. Kind of surprising that that North Myrtle Beach dropped as low as they did uh considering you know they they made it to the state championship game last season um but i kind of get it at the same time considering um you know uh considering they've lost at least a few pieces not tons but they've lost some they've lost a little bit um, and thus, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, may, may weigh on, on the, uh, pollsters as a result. And now, Lou, how's it going? Hey, Brandon, how you doing? I'm, I'm getting some feedback from you for some reason. Okay. Now it's gone. Okay. Okay. There's, I, I was hearing myself coming back. I was like, "That's weird." But good, good morning. 
It's great to have football season back, but unfortunately this week has been uh, pretty hectic. Lots of cancellations and changes. What has the feeling been around the Midlands on everything going on, and what have the coaches been doing to keep themselves and their teams from going crazy with all the changes? I mean, just be ready to adapt on a – I mean, every – on a daily basis, I mean, just uh, found out right now before it went on air, got a game, uh, like, been there, it's private school in uh, Fox Creek, had games canceled last night. Uh, ben Lippin was supposed to play Saturday in Fox Creek today, but they scheduled a game for Saturday. I mean, yesterday, uh, Chapin and Airport had games canceled for the second time this week, so they decided just to play each other tonight, making a game – uh, 24 hours notice, so uh, no prep time. So I mean, it's it's going to be like this for the first few weeks until region play begins. So um, I mean, it's just going to be flexible to go with the flow. And uh, when region play begins, you can only play so many teams there. So that will be um, uh, kind of limit who you can schedule on those weeks. Hey, some breaking news. I I love it. And that was something I was actually going to ask you about because, you know, Fox Creek, I was thinking it was too late for them to get a replacement. But they got um, got Ben Lippin. Do you think we're going to see that, especially in a situation like that where it's so last minute where we're going to see some Skiva public school uh, collaboration this season? Yeah, you can. I mean, some I mean some uh, public schools don't want to play skis, but Fox Creek is kind of like a. I mean, they're a smaller school. They're I mean, they're not a big, really big school. So they, yeah, they're gonna they, they'd be willing to come play. And it's interesting. I mean, whatever it, whatever it takes to have a game. I talked to Chapin coach yesterday. I mean, he's like, I just want to make sure I could tell my my players, I did everything I can to schedule a game, and they, they did. I mean, they scheduled a game, uh, I think uh, they finalized it at noon yesterday, and they'll play tonight at 7.30. So, I mean, to make sure that they have a game each week. I mean, they had been preparing for Keenan, but Keenan canceled uh, yesterday morning. So, I mean, it's just going to be uh, one of those, at least for the first few weeks. I think things will kind of slow down a little bit as the season goes along, though. You you mentioned the Chapin head coach, um, and, you know, especially like you mentioned, with both teams losing two games before teaming up, what else have both coaches been saying all, all week about just the craziness of this whole week, and how relieved are they to finally find a dance partner that, you know, can be steady? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, the biggest thing. I mean, you got teams trying to – schedule games and just forever. I mean, I had a team from Florida that wanted to come up this way uh, uh, next week. Uh, they wanted to play Dutch Fork or anyone else that would play them. And just, they're just, teams are just wanting to play. They don't want to miss that week. I mean, I know there's bye weeks scheduled during the season, but I mean, they want to, I mean, this is the first week of the season. You don't want to wait those extra few weeks. So uh, I think they'll do whatever they can to play. I mean, that, you, we saw that with Dutch Fork yesterday. I mean, uh, they scheduled a game with Gaffney because Irmo got canceled, and, and they were supposed to have a home game, but they'll still go to Gaffney now, and that puts them at, I think, only three home games for the season because um, they only had nine scheduled, and they, I think six road games and three home games. So uh, 
They'll they'll do whatever they have. Teams are going to do whatever they have just to play each week, I think. Especially for a team like Dutch Fork, like you mentioned, only having nine games on the schedule right now, and you mentioned Florida teams being interested. You've got Georgia teams, North Carolina teams. Do you think we're going to see more games from out-of-state opponents if if it comes to that last minute? They'll try, I think. I mean, I think some of the districts maybe kind of shy away a little bit of having someone come from out of state to come in. I mean, that's kind of why I don't think the Florida game with the Bertram Trail happened and they're playing Gaffney instead just because of that. Um, I think if it's close to, like, just across the border, yeah, I think you'll see it. In fact, you'll see it tonight. Scheduled game, I mean, Buford's playing um, uh, Richmond Hill out of um, Georgia. I mean, a lot of times those – like Buford and Bluffton, those they they play Georgia teams anyway, and you saw it with like North Myrtle and Myrtle, they play teams from North Carolina and stuff. So, yeah, yeah I think you'll see Carolina it. I mean, playing uh, West Brentwood. Yeah, you'll, like you said, you'll see things like that. So, I mean, I think they're gonna they'll they'll do whatever they can to get games in, no matter if it's playing a private school, it's it's playing an out-of-state team just so they can get games in, at least in the non-region schedule. When, when region schedule begins, uh, you won't have that flexibility. We we talked about this last week, but especially now after a day like Monday and how crazy this week has been, has that changed the minds of those in charge, how they're thinking about the potential of pushing region schedules up, or is everything locked in now? I think everything's kind of locked in. I think Region 2, 3A announced, yes, or T- 2, 1A um, with um, Great Falls, Louisville, C.A. Johnson, yeah. Lamar. They're, they're, they announced yesterday that they're they're going to move things up. I talked to the C.A. Johnson coach last night, and, yeah, they're, they're going to move things up. Pretty much everyone that hadn't moved up isn't staying the same, and, we know some coaches have been vocal about that. I mean, uh, I talked to Mickey Wilson this week <laughs> from Myrtle yeah. Beach, and he definitely was not not a not a fan of the, uh, what uh, Region Six Five A did. But I mean, it's it is what it is now, and they um, they could have played Carolina Force next week, and they kind of made a stand to not because of what happened. So they they found their opponents. I'm pretty sure they're all full up. I think they're missing one game still, but it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what that lingers into future scheduling with uh, um, teams, you know, because Myrtle Beach usually schedules those teams uh, like Conway and uh, Carolina Forest just for good gates. But now we'll see if they um, they, they don't now uh, just because of what happened this year. Did, did any of the teams like Ridgeview and Blythewood, who both had Region 6-5A opponents on their schedule, did they say anything about what happened with region six? Uh, not really because they're still, they were each supposed to play two teams and they'll each still play one. Ridgeview will still play Sumter on the third and Blythewood will still play um, Conway. Uh, Blythewood still needs to find a game. Ridgeview found a, the uh, opponent for the second game that they're going to play Dorman. Uh, they're going to host Dorman on, at the end of the September on the 24th, which turns out to be, it's going to be a fantastic matchup. So, um, and just Blythewood just has one uh, one game to find. Mo- moving on to on the field stuff and previewing uh, 5A, is Dutch Fork still the team to beat? Are they going to six-peat this year? 
well, they definitely are the most vulnerable. I mean, I would say not as far as as star power goes and experience, especially at quarterback. Uh, there probably might be one of the um, biggest question marks uh, going in out of this uh, run they're on, but uh, they had that a few years ago when uh, Tyola Chuck was just a sophomore and he and uh, Grayson Underwood battled for the quarterback job. Olin Chuck ended up winning it, really taking control in like week one or two. And then, I mean, he went on to be the quarterback for three years and be one of the greatest, best quarterbacks in school history. So uh, this year, a little different. You had uh, Devin Patterson and Aliam Appler. Um, I think Patterson's going to get to start tonight against Wren. And uh, uh, we'll see, though. Um, uh, it, it gives him a little more dimension. He's been with the program for, um, I mean, all of his career, so he knows everything. It's just uh, getting – and he got some weapons around him, so it's – that makes them a little bit more vulnerable. They got a new defense coordinator, new couple new other assistant coaches, so that's a little bit different. Um, but they're still talented. I mean, Antonio Williams and Jarvis Green, I think, are two of the best skill guys at their positions in the state. So, uh, and defensively, I think they're going to be fine. But uh, I think teams think this could be the year to, they can get them. But that might mo- motivate uh, Tom Knotts and the rest of the crew to uh, keep this uh, streak going for sure. Yeah, I, I heard that last year, too, people saying, oh, Dutch Fork isn't what they used to be, and they still won the state championship quite handily. Well, they definitely – I mean, they they were pretty good last year. I mean, you had a, a Division One guy at quarterback, and you had uh, three Division One guys at receiver. I mean, yeah, they they were a little bit different. I mean, Will Taylor was – there was question marks to him because he played at Skiza the first few years, but uh, he, he proved uh, early on that he was definitely up for the challenge and – um, now is at Clemson and was also drafted in the Major League Baseball draft as well. Dutch Fork creating both great baseball and football players. Both with uh, Ola Chuck and uh, Taylor. Um, as of right now, uh, and and we talked about it, they only have nine games right now. But like you said, they're they're playing basically their entire non-region schedule on the road and against some very tough competition, do you think, especially with this team, like you mentioned, not being quite as experienced as it has been in the past, does this help or hurt them going down the stretch and going into the playoffs? Oh, it definitely will help them. I mean, a lot of these teams they could see in the playoffs, I mean, they're not – I mean, the Rens and – uh, they're, they're obviously not in their classification tonight, but I mean, they're non-region games against Spartanburg, Burns, Gaffney, Greenwood. I mean, they're all teams that they could possibly play in the state championship game. I know they're upper state teams, but yeah, there's no, uh, no hurt to playing these guys uh, like that. So I think it would only help them. It's going to get better. Uh, they're going to make them better and tougher each week, especially being on the road. They're only, Home game in that of that group is against Spartanburg. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be fun to see uh, next week when they go to Gaffney, which should be a great atmosphere and a great game. Who are some of the other teams that you think might surprise some people this season in 5A? I think Ridgeview has a really good shot. I mean, talk about them. Uh, they open up their new stadium tonight. Uh, I think they're, they're a very experienced team. They got a new coach. and Derek Howard, but I mean, he's been at Ridgeview 
Um, he was an assistant. He was actually the first quarterback in school history you know, on the first team in school history. So, and they, they got a lot of college talent on there and they're big and um, see if they can live up with the height. I know they, I mean, they've had great coach Parks done a good job in building this program back up, but this is really the first year that they really, they really think they can compete and play first playing the state championship game. So we'll see if they can handle that. They got a tough non-region schedule. Um, mentioned game against Dorman. They they play um, a great collegiate who, who's also pretty good. And they, they got Sumter. So they, they'll have tough games as well as um, along with uh, Northwestern and Spring Valley and Blythewood in the region. So I look for them, at least around here. Uh, River Bluff, they, they've been really solid the last couple of years. They got question mark at quarterback have to place replace a lot of guys but and then Chapin, um, they got probably one of the most talented trios around. Uh and Jaden Bradford who's in the top one hundred of for the class of twenty twenty four that came out this week. Uh Bennett Galloway running backs going to NC State receiver, Xavier Shorts going to uh Appalachian State. So they'll be fun to watch around here and then you'll have the, the rest. I think Fort Dorchester is gonna be really good. Sumter um Sumter's gonna be strong again. Um in upstate, I think Burns really thinks they have a team that uh, is probably Reggie Shaw's uh, one of his best since he took over. Um, Spartanburg got Raheem Jeter at quarterback, so um, I think it should be fun in Class 5A to see how it all shake up. That Gaffney, uh, like you said, they, they played Dutch Fork and they got a really good quarterback in Grayson Loftus, who's a Division One caliber guy. So uh, it should be 5A should be uh, definitely fun uh, to see. You you mentioned Ridgeview and them opening up their new stadium tonight with a pretty big matchup against Westwood. What what do the Redhawks have to do tonight to potentially spoil the homecoming for the Blazers? Well, they got to stop that passing game and try to put some pressure on Andre Washington. Ridgeview got about, I would say, anywhere between three and six guys they could plug in at receiver um, that are fast. Um, a couple, they're not the biggest guys, but they, they're speed and they're precise. And, uh, I think they need to stop that passing game to have a shot and, uh, on offense. I mean, Ridgeview's big up front. And, and <laughs> if you see them, they definitely pass the eye test for sure. They, they got to find a way to run the ball. Um, I saw Westwood play last week. They, they weren't too impressive for sure. They got a good running back in Julian Milligan, but, um, definitely quarterback's an issue in offensive line as well. Are there any other uh, games that you're looking at around the Midlands tonight? In 5A or just in general? Just in general. Um, AC Flora and Brooklyn Casey should be really good. Um, Flora is um, uh, defending 4A state champs. Brooklyn Casey got a lot of expectations coming in. They they could put a lot of points on the board. So see how Brooklyn Casey's offense matches against a a good AC Flora defense, which – um, lost the whole defensive line from last year, but see how they play and see uh, who, who plays a quarterback for uh, Flora. They rotated guys last week in their jamboree, so see how they do their quarterback uh, system as well. So uh, that uh, great collegiate in Camden um, should be good. Both teams are ranked near the top in their classification. Uh, question mark for Gray is is a quarterback going to play? Had a tough injury last week, uh, Trey Robinson hurting his neck, so we'll see uh, his availability for tonight. 
have you heard the latest on him? Is is he? Yeah, we'll just... see. I mean, they were hoping he was going to play, but uh, I'm not sure. I, just by being there last night, I I would think it would be tough for him to play tonight. But yeah. and we'll see. Being a non-region game, they might hold him out and just um, get him ready. They got a they got a tough one next week too. They'll play Oceanside, so I mean their non-region schedule is pretty tough. Uh, Camden and Ridgeview and Oceanside and Legion. I mean pretty tough and then they got a real tough region as well with Newberry and Saluda who's going to be re- both be really good in Batesburg so I-, I wouldn't be surprised if he was held out tonight. Where are you going to be tonight? I'll be at AC Floor in Brooklyn Casey. Um, should be a fun matchup like I said. Uh, be a big crowd and um, I know Brooklyn Casey has been looking forward to this one so we'll see if we can live up to, uh, uh, to the matchup uh, in the first week. Yeah, yeah, it should that that should be a fun matchup. It's great to have football back. Have fun over uh over at, at Brooklyn Casey tonight. Uh and yeah, great talking to you as always and we'll talk to you next week, Lou. All right, Brandon. Thank you. Once again, that was Lou Bejack from the state. Always uh always fun talking to him. Uh and yeah, wow, breaking news coming out uh from Lou that just maybe a little more than 12 hours uh, after the fact, or just pretty much 12 hours after uh, the, the news broke that that game was being canceled, uh, Fox Creek was able to find an opponent uh, for for their uh, for their game. That's that's crazy that they were able to find an opponent in Ben Lippin. Um, you know, and and that's that's the thing that I kind of, you know, obviously you don't like all these cancellations. You don't like COVID. You don't like, you don't like what it's doing, but it's, it's making people be innovative. It's making, it's making these teams say, Hey, let's try this. Let's try this. Um, and you know it, it's it's fun to see to see them be able to switch it up on the fly like that. Um, before I take a quick break, and I've got again coming on at nine, run through the rest of uh, the um, classification uh, rankings. Um, like I mentioned before, it's kind of surprising that North Merrill Beach was ranked so low, but I kind of understand why at the same time. Going down to 3A, Daniel is at is in first place uh, with 10 first place votes. Uh, Chapman, Chapman and Camden are tied for second. Oceanside Collegiate at four. Ren at five. Bill at six. Chester at seven. Gilbert at eight. Brooklyn Casey at nine. And Union County at ten. Also released Receiving are Ainer, Woodruff, Clinton, Fairfield, Palmetto. Down in 2A, Abbeville. Surprise, surprise, there's the cream of the crop. Uh, in 2A, 10 first place votes. Bradley at second, at third. Barnwell at fourth. Chesney fifth. Newberry sixth. Andrew seventh. Saluda eighth. Batesburg, Leesville nine. Christchurch ten. And also receiving votes are St. Joe's, Andrew Jackson, Woodland, Shaw, North Central, 
Chesterfield, Silver Bluff, and Blacksburg. And then at 1A, again, surprise, surprise, Southside Christian at at 1 with 10 first-place votes, Lakeview at 2, Mar 3, Whale Branch 4, Bamberg Earhart at 5, Vilhilda at 6, Baptist Hill at 7, Wagner Sally at 8, C.A. Johnson 9th, Louisville 10th, and also receiving votes are Carver's Bay, Johnsonville, McBee, North slash Hunter Kinner-Tyler, Ridge Spring Manetta, Allendale Fairfax, C.E. Murray, Great Falls, and Dan Polar. So those are your uh, your rankings, the preseason rankings, the preseason media poll. One quick final note before I take a quick a uh, quick break. Uh, forgot to. Well, it, it's not really time for it, and and was running out of time with Lou. But the MLK Bash will be returning this season on the basketball court. For on the girls' side, it will be Ridgeview, Northwood Academy, South Point, AC Flora, Westwood, Lorchland, East Clarendon, Wren, North Augusta, Cardinal Newman, Camden, and Keenan. On the boys' side, it will be Wilson, AC Flora, Sumter, Irmo, Lexington, Spring Valley, York, Blythewood, Legacy Early College, Ridgeview, Collegiate, and Keenan. And that um, that should be a fun uh, that that should be a, a fun uh, you know that that should be some fun games. The um, the matchups will be announced. Um, at a later date, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. A few other quick notes before I take a quick break. Big blow to Dylan on the football field. Nigel George will miss his entire senior season due to an injury. And while I think they're still going to be one of the better teams in 3A, that's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt them a lot. Um, Campbell Smithick, uh, said he's leave or actually first the basketball court, Brandon Gardner decided, Gardner decided to transfer from great collegiate to word of God, Christian Academy. We talked about it last week with Lou and this is just the world we live in now that, you know, the top players in a are going to want to go to the prep schools and go to, you know, Go to the overtime league. Go to the G League. You know they're gonna just they're gonna focus on themselves. You know, and and coaches are just gonna have to adapt. And finally, Campbell Smithick has decided to leave Conway to play the rest of his high school career in Mississippi. He's already committed to Ole Miss, so designed to be closer to the college um, to get ready for. Um, get ready for playing in uh, in college at at uh, at uh, Ole Miss. So I'll take a quick break and then come right back. We'll have Ian Garen on when we come back right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, got Ian Guerin from Maori News on. Ian, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm sure you're enjoying actually trying to worry about on-the-field football instead of the craziness that we had to deal with all this past week. Uh been the feeling going around the Grand Strand on everything going on, especially with Region 6-5A and what have coaches been doing to keep themselves and their teams from going crazy over all the changes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think last year, in a lot of ways, was a dry run for them. I, I, think they, I think they learned how to adapt pretty quick. I mean, look, I mean, Myrtle Beach is a perfect example. I mean, they, 
they had, you know, two games um, put in jeopardy because of the decision uh, that Region 6-5A made, and then they turned around and scrapped the Carolina Forest game. And, and out of it, we've now kind of seen them, you know, at, at least in terms of what their long-term goals are, kind of improve their standing. I mean, going to Dillon is going to be a great test for them. You know, going to Oceanside, you know, is going to be a, a good test for them. Oceanside has a, a really, really good offensive line. They've got a good running back. They've got some great defensive players. I mean, I think there's, you know, last time I looked, you know, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of nine or ten future college players, most of whom are um, going to be in the Division One ranks. So, I mean, Soxty, Myrtle Beach was a casualty, um, but realistically, Myrtle Beach doesn't get much of a push from Soxty just based on what Soxty can do well. You know, Myrtle Beach Conway was a casualty. You know, Conway was awful last year, and I think they're going to be better this year. But again, I don't think they provide much of a test, you know, for Myrtle Beach. So I, I think we've seen that, that that schools will adapt. You know, schools can you know, change on the fly. We, you know, I think we had, um, you know, I think we've had a couple games for this week announced in the last 48 hours, you know. So if, if teams and coaches are willing to do that, then I think then you can kind of look forward and say, okay, in, in 2022, if we are not being impacted by COVID the way we are now, you know, what can we do with that then? You know, what can we do with some advanced planning and not having games wrecked left and right like we are right now? And I think that's what we're seeing. You know, the last – and it's not just the, the Region 65A decision. It's really the last three weeks because we've had so many quarantines and we have had a few Class A regions, you know, move their, their region slates up as well. So I, I think what it's proving to everybody is that everybody is a lot more adaptable than maybe they ever thought that they were before. One uh, one thing I was trying to figure out, especially after Monday, and you'd be the one that you know better than I would, it seems like this year been, we've had more cancellations this year than we did at the beginning of last year. Yeah, and part of that is that school started earlier and the, the football season started earlier. You know, so we – everybody kind of went back into that normal school and practice and game routine. And and I think it happened, you know, right as Delta was, was really starting to crank up too. So, you know, I I think that that plays a large role in it. You know, kids are also in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Most of the schools last year were still virtual, you know, even when school started. So there wasn't that risk involved. There wasn't the exposures, the the quarantines necessary because the kids were, you know, sitting at home in front of a laptop and then going to practice. And, and, you know, the, you know, taking 60 guys outside realistically, because you're separating them by position groups and things like that too, is, is fairly low risk in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we've, we've seen now that there are other things that are going on that are, you know, that are going to put a game or games plural in jeopardy. And, um, you know, I think that's the impact that we're feeling right now. Like you mentioned, before, the big coming out this week was that Region 6-5A pushed their region schedule up. Um, this set off a firestorm, like you mentioned, especially with Myrtle Beach around the area. 
What has been, I know Mickey Wilson was not happy at all about it. What have been some of the other reactions to the decision and how did this decision come to be? Yeah, I mean, we we thought last night from West Florence coach Jody Generette too. I mean, he kind of vocalized some of his frustrations with it. And, you know, and for him, uh, it's. I think it's even more impactful than what it was for Myrtle Beach because, you know, Jody is over there trying to unveil a brand new stadium, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they fought tooth and nail to get and, and are so, uh, they're, they're so excited to show it off and they can't get anybody to come in and play, you know, and naturally when you open a new stadium, you're not going to want to bring in, you know, uh, somebody like Dutch Fork or Gaffney, mm-hmm. you know, those were some of the other teams that were looking for games you know, for next week, you know, so he's looking for somebody that he has a, you know, he feels like his team can beat. Right. So that kind of put him in a spot. So last night, you know, they, the Florence morning news runs their story about them switching their, their game next week to a road game and they're going to get a nice little payout. You know, Clover is, is cutting them a check to come play that game, you know, so we're, we're kind of seeing that next evolution of, you know, the competition for games, you know, Mickey Wilson at Myrtle Beach is splitting the gate with both Oceanside and Dillon. Um, he's going to have the home game against Fort Dorchester, which should be an okay gate. And then they're trying to add one more, one more home game as well. You know, so financially we're seeing that the people who can change and are willing to, um, you know, to willing to go on the road when maybe you wouldn't think that they would are, are going to be rewarded. You know, is it, is it a huge payday? Is it a, you know, Alabama giving, you know, Louisiana, you know, $600,000 to come play. No, but you know, it's, it's, it's enough to cover the bus trip. It's enough to make sure that you're staying in the black, which all that's really important. I've got a story coming out later this morning on, you know, kind of how the, you know, Horry County schools um, is going to go forward this year and, and why they're doing it the way they are. So, you know, the, the teams that can adapt are, are going to be rewarded. The teams that put their foot down, uh, especially in 2021, are going to probably be, you know, left wondering what could have been. One of those teams, I mean, they kind of got they got lucky, you know, in terms of being able to pick up. But one of those teams that kind of did put their foot down is Myrtle Beach. And how, what has the reaction been to how they handled everything, basically throwing aside what would have been, you and I talked about it last week, even you know, we thought even with the you know region six five eight push up, that Central Beach game would have been you know one of the biggest games of the year, and thus you know it was a shoe in to still be on the schedule, and now it isn't. What has been the reaction to that, especially considering you know how that may impact things in the future? No, and I think that's the I think that's what people need to keep an eye on and um you know whether you know mickey wilson is gonna um hold a grudge you know or whether mark morris is gonna hold a grudge you know whether jody Jenneret is gonna say you know what we don't need to go play conway we don't need to go play carolina forest or Soxy. you know we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna we're gonna start trending toward the midlands you know or we're gonna look at games against sumter you know, which, you know, I think that there is a, there is kind of a feel that the Horry County 
teams drove this thing. And, and we know that they had control of Region 65A because they have four of the five teams. So if the district had come in and told their ADs all to do the same thing, it was going to happen. You know, there was no stopping it. But the reality of the situation is that this was Sumter's proposal. You know, it was Curtis Johnson at Sumter, excuse me, who wanted to make this happen to secure games for everybody, to give them a backup plan, you know, for the region. Uh, and it worked for them. You know, that's great. But doing what's right for you doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. And the reverberations of that are, are what we've seen with, you know, Mickey Wilson and Jody Jenner at the, the last few days. You know, they're saying, you know, not only are we taking this off the books for this year, but next year when we're, when we're looking at redoing our schedule and when realignment comes out, we're going to do what's best for us. And, you know, we might not see some of that back scratching that we've, we've seen in the past. How, especially, you know, because coach Morris mentioned it specifically uh, at the CNB kickoff press conference that, you know, they already had problems finding games because of how strong they are and teams not necessarily wanting to play them, how hard, not only just, you know, first off, is there an update for next week, but also moving forward into, you know, into subsequent years, how hard is it now going to be for Carolina Force to find games? Yeah, and and this predates your time on the Grand Strand a little bit, but things have changed in, in a hurry both directions. I mean, obviously – you know, in, in 2011, I believe it was, when Carolina Forest had one of their best seasons prior to the Mark Morris area, mm. they were playing teams like King Street. And, and you know, it was – they had no business playing those teams. They were 4A, you know, back when the state was four classifications, and they did that. Mark, when he got there, he did start changing things. He did start scheduling tougher games. He did start, you know, doing things that would show him – what his team needed to work on come playoff time. And that's why we've seen, you know, them only lose to Dutch Fork the last two years. You know, I, I, I've said it on your show before, if it wasn't for Dutch Fork, I believe that Carolina Forest is playing in the yeah. state championship game each of the last two years. You know, do they win? I don't know, but I think they get there. You know, so we've seen that. We've, we've seen that slide. Now on the other side of things, you know, if you're just looking at Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach's schedule has gotten worse the, the last few years, you know, them concentrating on so many uh, local games and, you know, Hey, okay, this year we're going to play, you know, this year, next we'll play Conway. The the year after that we'll play Sox D. Well, then it kind of spiraled into, okay, we're going to play Sox D, Conway and Carolina forest every year. Well, on paper, yeah, that looks great because you're playing three, five, eight teams in non-region. But the, the reality again is that, you know, in any given year, at least one, if not two of those teams are not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, that, that's, that's not me knocking them. That's historically speaking, the last five years, you know, Sockacy has been down. You know, Conway had, had one really good year in the last five years. And the rest of it, it's kind of been something that the coaches, you know, maybe want to forget about. So, but before that started happening, Myrtle Beach was playing Burns. You know, they, they played them like three years in a row. You know, Myrtle Beach was playing West Florence when, you know, when West Florence was a a 4A team. I mean, this is, you know, before the state went to five classes. So that was the scheduling kind of low for Mickey before, 
you know, so again, we've, we've seen both sides of it. We've seen what Carolina Forest could do, you know, when they started challenging themselves more. We, we've seen what Myrtle Beach can do. I mean, obviously they, they made two state championship games in the last three years, you know, but when it comes to those early season games, I, I think we're going to see them kind of trend back toward, you know, the early years of, of Mickey Wilson. Have you heard any update yet from either Trip or Mark of where, you know, if they if there is a potential for the Panthers to get a, a, an opponent for next week? Yeah, no, we, we exchanged a lot of messages, and Trip and I talked yesterday as well, and I was kind of telling them teams that I knew were off, and they were telling me who they had already kind of checked off the list or, you know, um, you know, so they're in wait and see mode. And I think they're, I, I think a lot of teams are going to be in wait and see mode where they might have to wait until Sunday or Monday of game week, see who had cancellations, see who's still a viable opponent for that week. And then I think you're going to start seeing, you know, some of that madness happening that we've seen the last 48 hours, you know, people, people need to play games. You know, they, they, they want to play games. I mean, they didn't, they didn't get into coaching and, and playing football so they could sit on their butts on Friday night, you know? So I, I think that's, that's more of what we're going to see, especially probably for the, the next month before teams start getting into region play and, and things like that. I think you're going to, you're going to see a lot of people announcing games on Mondays and Tuesdays and even Wednesdays. Uh, makes, makes my life next week a lot more difficult trying to figure out who I need to call to get rosters and everything. But uh, and 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 on top of that, you know, I don't know if you've heard anything more, and I don't know what I don't know if North Carolina has different rules, but what terms of weather around here? Because I know that there's thunderstorms in the forecast for tonight. You you cut out a little bit. I couldn't hear what you asked me. Oh, okay. I asked what's the official and I don't know if it's different up in North Carolina than here in South Carolina, but what's the official uh guidelines for weather? Official guidelines for weather? I mean it's football, they play in rain and they don't play in lightning. Well, for I, like I don't know lightning. if that's what you're asking me. Yeah, yeah, for lightning and stuff. Yeah, I mean those are fairly universal across the country. I mean if there's lightning within, you know, ten miles usually is, is a, a pretty good threshold. I think it's eight miles at the NCAA level because they're usually using a little bit better equipment. But uh yeah, I mean that's that's what they're checking for. Um, you know, the the good thing about you know, I'm and I'm assuming you're speaking about Carolina Forest at West Brunswick yeah. is that West Brunswick has turf. You know, so they don't have that added concern of are we going to tear up this field and not be able to play here for for three weeks. Yeah, but that it's getting interesting to see uh, if they'll be able to hopefully get that game in tonight. Uh, looking ahead to the season on the field in five A, um, how do you think uh, play? How first off, how do you think playing region games twice uh, this season is going to impact Region Six teams? in terms of getting into the playoffs and getting ready for the playoffs? Well, I, I think on, the, on you know, the immediate thing for that region is that it makes those games so much more interesting because, you know, the, the thought behind them is, okay, we're going to play those four opponents one time, and that's going to be uh, a non-region game unless our next, our next game against that opponent gets canceled. So let's say that, 
you know, Foxy and Conway, for instance, you know, the, you know, they're, they're probably the, you know, Soxie is probably the third best team in that region right now, but they're fighting for that third playoff spot behind Sumter and Carolina Forest. So let's say that they go out and, you know, they're down three players or something because of injury and they lose to Conway in that first game. Well, now they know, like, okay, if something happens and we can't play Conway again, our chances of a playoff berth just got real, real tough. You know, so it puts an impetus on, on all of these teams to, to take those first games just as seriously. And I'm not saying that players don't take Friday night games seriously. I'm saying that when they know that a playoff spot is possibly on the line, you can see a different attitude. You know, you know last year was different because the games were all moved up. But in 2019, 2018, 2017, every other year I've ever covered high school football, when, when you get to region play, the attitudes are different. The motivation is higher, you know. So you better believe that the coaches in that region are going to have their kids going into those, you know, quote-unquote non-region region games ready to go, and they're going to be selling them on how important that game is. And, you know, look, we've, we've had non-region games around the state for a long time that have not meant anything. You know, it's they're playing for the love of the game, and, but if they lose by sixty, it, you know, most of the time it doesn't it doesn't affect anything. You know, those games now matter. You know, and and maybe they matter with an asterisk next to them, but they matter. You know, so uh, you know, I, I like it from that aspect of it. You know, I, I like the fact that we could be covering a region game, we just don't know it yet. If that makes sense. So, you know, I think that's that's you know a pretty big part of it. Who do you see? coming out of Region 6 this year? As the region champion, I mean, I think it's Sumter's to lose. Um, you know, the they've got some really good pieces. Um, you know, their defensive line took a hit when Jackson went down, but they, they've got some really good pieces on that team. I think they're probably, right now going into the season, I think they're the most prepared. Um, at the same time, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I think Carolina Forest defensive line was better than I was expecting. You know, what I saw out of them last week, what I saw from them in a scrimmage the the week before, you know, I, I think that that is a real big stabilizing force. Mark Morris has more players than 99% of the teams in this state. And that means that he can pick and choose and he can decide, okay, who's putting the most work in the weight room because everything that they do, no matter how much we talk about Mason Garcia or Diver Simmons or anybody else that has come through that program and put up crazy numbers, it all starts on the lines. You know, and I think that if, if they're able to kind of, um, if they're able to keep that going, then I, I think that they're, they're, you know, Sumter's one and Carolina Forest is one A. Uh, with, with a lot of, uh, with, with, with some cancellations in the area, not much, uh, in terms of games tonight, uh, where are you headed tonight? You there? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. Cancellations tonight and whatnot. Um, not too many games here on the Grand Strand tonight. Where are you headed tonight? I'm actually not covering a game tonight. I'm going to cover Lawrence at St. James tomorrow. We have... Charles up at West Brunswick covering Carolina Forest, and we'll have Ian Brooking at Ainer 
covering the Blue Jackets against Lakeview. And then uh, next week, plan is for me to go to Dillon on Friday night, cover Myrtle Beach, and then, you know, we'll see. You know, you know, we've got kind of tentative plans, but you know, just like the the football teams, we're gonna we're gonna have to adjust on the fly too. You know, we're we are still planning on covering every single game involving an Ori County team, and you know, obviously that's a that's a big goal. But over the course of the last two years, we've covered all but two. So you know, we you know that that's something we take seriously. So we've got everybody, you know, we've got everybody rolling and, and ready to go and and. You know, as long as, you know, the game's being played, we're, we're intended on somebody to be there. Ted Charles will be up at West Brunswick tonight? Yes, sir. Sounds good. Have, ha, I'll, I'll have some game notes for him, so uh, when he gets there, let him know to come up to the uh, press box. Yeah, much appreciated. I know he, uh, he always likes the help. Yep. Uh, great talking to you, as always. Um Look forward to seeing you at, at at some games this season, and it's it's good to have some football back, even 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 with all the craziness. Uh, it's still good. Well, to have the, some the, the craziness is here. We might as well get the football, you know, out of it too. You know, this is exactly. this is why everybody's been you know busting their butts trying to trying to stay you know healthy all summer. So you know, these kids are here. Let's let's let them enjoy it, and, and let's you know enjoy it ourselves. Exactly, exactly. Great talking to you, and. Uh, have fun with your last uh, Friday night off. <laughs> yeah, until uh, till, uh, December 17th. So. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, Ian. Uh, thanks, Frank. That was Ian Guerin. Always fun talking to him. And, yeah, he, 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 he deserves a night off, especially after the craziness that he had to deal with uh, this this past week. Um and yeah, so it's uh, I'm that's good to know the the lightning. It's it's within I think you said six miles or or ten miles, um, and so it's you know we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what happens uh, happens this week when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, let me look to see if there are any other no other notes uh that I've missed this uh for local stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed all the coverage um of all the high schools. Some other notes uh to talk about one a, a couple of other uh when we come back from off of the break. Um, so be sure to keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And as always, if you want to call on in, if you want to talk about anything, whether it's locally or nationally, uh, be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll have the phone lines wide open for the last half hour, and we'll have a few, uh, few, uh, other stories to talk about when I return right here on Sports Unlimited on Sports Central.
Yeah, I want 
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And with that music, you know what time it is. A, a, a little bit of hockey talk. I, I know that's not exactly uh, something that happens uh, around here, although Carolina Hurricanes are pretty good. So, But uh, for those of you who do follow hockey, if you've seen this, it's a very interesting story, and, and I don't exactly understand why it's happening. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this impacts uh, one team in particular and potentially a couple of cities uh, next year. The city of Glendale have informed the Arizona Coyotes that this will be the team last season at the Gila Gila River Arena. Uh, The parties have been working under a year-to-year contract for the last few years. Um, and now the city of Glendale are saying we want to open up that arena to do more concerts and more events and stuff. They don't want to have the restraint of having, you know, 40-some-odd days, if not a few more, uh, out of, the, out of the, schedule, the potential schedule for Coyote games, which, first off, before I go into the implications of it, this is ridiculous. Yes, in like yes, in a a smaller town or whatnot, or like a small city like a Florence or you know, or whatnot. You know, having an arena like that just simply to bring in things like you know, concerts and you know, stuff like that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing too about that. Here's here here's the thing about about this whole concept that's just idiotic on its face for the city of Glendale. This isn't even go back ten years ago, but certainly twenty years ago. Or or certainly thirty years ago. This isn't a landscape where oh, you've got, you know, You've got the the Globetrotters that can come in. You've got Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus that can come in. Obviously, you've got concerts. You've got you know both WWE and WCW to come in. You know, like you just thinking about it purely on its face. And now maybe I'm you know maybe I'm naive to some things, but you know the Sir- Ringling Brothers doesn't exist anymore. You don't have that that you can bring in to to fill space, and that will draw that at least back in the day it would draw a pretty good crowd. You know, you could have them in for a couple of nights, and you'd get a good crowd each night. And you know that could be a big money maker. You know that doesn't exist. while yes, they travel, especially in a city like Glendale or you know the Phoenix area. You know, unless you're a really big Globetrotters fan, why would you bother to go see a, you know, fake basketball game when you can go see a real one, whether it's the Suns or Arizona Wildcats or the Sun Devils? You know, they've got plenty of good basketball out in Arizona. So, you know, there's no real reason for the Globetrotters, you know, in that area. Yeah, you're going to get some families coming out, getting, you know, cheaper prices and, and whatnot and entertainment and all of that. Yeah, sure. 
but you're not going to get the types of crowds that you would get for a Coyotes game. And on top of that, you know, so, and and plus, I don't think the Globetrotters, I haven't paid attention to them in a long time, but, you know, I don't know how much they travel anymore. I mean, they do travel, obviously, but not, you know, nearly to the level that they used to. But then, outside of that, you know, yeah, you've got concerts and stuff, but also, think about it. Phoenix is right up the road, and they have their own arena where the Suns play. So, I don't get it. I don't get this whatsoever. Phoenix is going to, or Glendale is going to lose a big moneymaker. They're going to lose, you know, a big part of, you know, what that city is known for. Arizona as a whole are going to lose the quadfecta. And, you know, the the Coyote fans were supporting them, maybe not as well as they should have, but they were doing pretty well. It wasn't like they weren't drawing at all. So I don't I don't get this at all. But you know what? Their loss could be someone else's gain. There's no indication right now on what the Coyotes will do after the wanted to they could move into where the Suns played and, and stay in the Phoenix area. We'll we'll see if they decide to do that. Um you know, maybe change their name back to the Phoenix Coyotes. Um but if the if the Coyotes were to move, like I said, that would make Phoenix lose the quadfecta. Here are my two options and granted I don't know how well either one of these would work. But for those of you who have listened to me before, you know when it comes to relocation and and expansion, I'm all for creating quadfectas in a city. And the only two the only two cities that currently are only missing on an NHL team are Houston and Atlanta. And now I understand, especially for Atlanta, they've tried it a couple of times in Atlanta, first with the Flames. Now and, and then with the Thrashers, and it's failed both times. I understand this. I understand Atlanta is not exactly a hockey city. So maybe Atlanta may not be the best option. But Houston, especially with how Houston is growing, see Houston being a potential option. I mean, look at Dallas. Look at the Stars. The Stars have done well in Dallas. Look at the Lightning. They've done well in Tampa. The Panthers in Miami, not quite as much. But still, they've done decently. Now, granted, Tampa is a much more transplant-based city. A lot more transplants moving down there to retire. So you get that. I understand that part. But still, it's worked. Charlotte, or not Charlotte technically, but Raleigh. Raleigh has worked, and, you know, not many transplant. I mean, yes, it's a big, it's a pretty big city, you know, and you have some trans. Even outside of that, it's not like it's filled with transplants. Raleigh has worked. The Hurricanes have been successful and popular in Raleigh. Now, granted, in, in Raleigh itself, that's the only thing in town outside of NC State. So it's a little different in that sense, but I honestly think if 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 the Coyotes were to move to Houston, I could see it working. 
I could see it working. Now, obviously, they need to change their names because, you know, Coyote, you know, the whole reason why they're named Coyotes is because Arizona is known for them. Uh, so, interesting, interesting concept, actually, of what, what, uh, the coyotes could be renamed to if they ever if they decide to move to uh but if you didn't want to go one of those two routes and try to create the quadfecta the other two places i would love to see them move back to uh not back to but you know the nhl as a whole i would love for them to move back to and and recreate one of these two uh one of these two teams which it's not like we haven't seen it before. We saw it a couple of years ago with the Winnipeg Jets being reintroduced. Um, I would love to see them. Now, obviously, both of these cities would need to massively upgrade their arenas, but at least for the time being, it could work if you move them right away. Either Hartford and bring back the Whalers, or Quebec and bring back the Nordiques. Those would be my t- top two options. If you didn't want to move them to either Houston or Atlanta. Houston or Atlanta, probably Houston the top choice for me. Just to see how how a team would do in Houston and to give Houston the quadfecta. Uh, but outside of that, I would say if you didn't want to try a southern city again, because I think the NHL is probably getting annoyed at trying to expand the league down south and it failing miserably. Um, but if you, so if you didn't want to try that now, granted, you, like I said, hurricanes have done well for themselves. So it's not all doom and gloom down here. Didn't want to try, have another Southern experiment. I would say either Hartford or Quebec. Those would be my two options. But it, it's going to be interesting to see if, if if anything comes of this. And you know, again, it's I I I just I don't get why this has happened. I don't get why they're you know the city of Glendale is finally kicking them out for you know the hopes of being able to fill that place with other things. I, I just I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So, with 15 minutes left to go on the show, once again, if you want to call in, if you want to get any last thoughts in, uh, last comments, three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call. That number again, three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. Uh, you know, but. With that being said, one last uh, note for you guys before I start uh, wrapping things up. On the college front, on the South Carolina front, and I will do a lot more. I'll do kind of a – I'll do basically a full college preview uh, next week, which will be week one. We'll We'll talk about week zero for high school, prepare you for week one next week, and uh, college football preview uh, for next next week. Since next week is week one for college, it, it's crazy. Like I said, with with high school, it's crazy that you know 
where we're already back into football season. Uh, but the big news coming out of South Carolina, out of the Gamecocks this week, was that local guy here, Luke Doty out of Myrtle Beach, has a foot sprain right now. Luckily, it's luckily it's only a sprain. You know, Shane Beamer sounded optimistic when he talked about it. Uh, it, it might keep him out of week one, but both he and Shane Be- Beamer are sounding optimistic uh day to day saying he's optimistic that he'll be ready for week one. Luckily it's nothing too serious. Uh it's not gonna knock him out for the whole season or anything like that. Uh you know, but tough break for him still that, you know, he has to miss out on some time and and all of that. But luckily it seems like he should be ready for week one uh, in, I think they do play next week, uh, if I remember correctly. Or actually, no, I think they, I don't think they play until, uh, well, technically next week is week zero, technically, and then week one is the next week. So, so yeah, uh, I don't think they play until the fourth, or is it the fourth or fifth? It's either fourth or fifth. Um yeah, it would be the fourth. Um, so, you know, but again, still, still a tough break for him. Uh, but luckily, it doesn't seem like it's anything that serious. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, oh, so one other thing I didn't go through uh, this morning. Uh, before we sign out, some recruiting notes for this week. Uh, Brandon Sissy from Lakewood was offered by Akron. Jack Greenway from North Augusta was offered by Wofford. And then a, couple, a few baseball commits uh, following the Diamond Prospects Palmetto games, uh, which were a lot of fun uh, this past weekend. Uh, lots of good action there. Um you know, the baseball guys getting their work in. Jerry and Pinckney from Andrews committed to North Carolina A&T. T.A. Aiken from Greenwood committed to Old Dominion. Matthew Lively from Chapin committed to Citadel. And Bo Hollins from River Bluff committed to South Carolina. So, you know, congratulations to all those guys. Um, good to see them getting those D1 commits and D1 offers, uh, you know, you know, but before you know it, with how these, with how these years have been going, before you know it, we'll be back to the baseball season again. Um, you know, so, but Hey, it's football season. That's what we're focused on right now. Football season. Um, hope you guys enjoy all of the games throughout the next uh, couple of days because I think I know there are some games tomorrow. Um, I know there are some games on Monday, um, and I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. If you want to listen to uh, the Carolina Forest game tonight, weather permitting, obviously. Uh, follow CFHS Panthers FBN on Twitter 
or if you just want to, you know, get the game, go to shnsports.com slash Carolina. That's where you can find the broadcast for uh, for all of Carolina the Carolina Forest games, um, and that's where uh, that where the broadcast for tonight's game will be. Um, should be should be a fun season uh, for those of you who, uh, who let, you know. Like I say every week, especially now after what happened this week, for those of you who are not vaccinated, please, 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 if not for yourself, for if not for yourself, for the you know, for the um, for the kids. For the sport that we love, uh, for high school football, please, 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 go get vaccinated. Um, you know, this season has already had some issues, uh, but you know, as long as we do, as long as everyone does their part and everyone does. Uh, they need to do. We we should be we should be able to get through the season and and have some good moments, have some good times. Uh, hopefully, be able to uh, be able to have a good a, a good season. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we've got some. We've got some good matchups tonight. Uh, I think the one that I'm looking forward to, to the most out of all the games tonight, obviously outside of my own, outside of uh, Carolina Forest versus uh, versus West Brunswick, is you know, and, and David Chilton and I were talking about it earlier. I think um, you know. And he's hyped it up even more than I initially thought. Goose Creek against Oceanside Collegiate. It it it's going to try to answer that age old question: Can a two A or three A school, in this case a three A school, you know one A two A three A, you know one of the lower level schools, beat the beat a five A school, and not just a five A, but a very good five A program in Goose Creek. So it's it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a game that you know is going to bear watching. Um, and you know, I mean, there are some other good games this this week too. You know, Gaffney at Spartanburg. That's going to be a very good game in the Upstate. Uh, you know, them trying to push. You know, them trying to start the season off strong. Against each other, Wood and Hillcrest, two of the top teams in their respective uh, classifications. You know, uh, Hillcrest receiving votes in 5A, Greenville at number three, and getting one number one vote in 4A. So again, that's another one of those. You know, where it's like, is the 4A school that's the top of its class? better than the 5A that's, you know, kind of 
not really middle of the pack, I'll say, but, you know, a little lower down in the pecking order than the 4A school. You know, you got Westwood and Ridgeview tonight in Ridgeview's new digs. That should be a fun one. Uh, So, you know, a lot of fun football tonight. A lot of fun games uh, coming up throughout these uh, throughout these next couple of weeks. And yeah, you know, like I said, like I said, unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm you know I'm not uh, you know it's it's not very good. You don't you don't want it to happen. But unfortunately, this is going to be another year. And, and Ian made a good point. Ian made a good point earlier about how the reasoning for why we're getting even more. And he was right, I, or I was right, that I, in my thought, that there have been more cancellations this year in week one than there were last year uh, in week one. This year... Um, this year, um, is, you're going to have to keep track of things very closely and make sure you know what exactly is going on throughout the state and, and for your local team, uh, because things are going to be very fluid. I don't even know. After tonight, I don't know where the next game's going to be. If I'm, if there's going to be a game next week, or if it's going to be a bye week, you know. So that's that's the craziness of this whole situation, and and this whole year is is going to be another crazy one. Um, but I will try to give you, you know, as much clarity as I can. You know, because that's not going to be guaranteed either. I mean, you know, things are going to be so fluid this year. And, you know, like I said, and and like Ian said, this may not necessarily be a bad thing, per se. You know, yes, it's not ideal by any of the imagination. But, you know, is it... Is it something that we can overcome and and through cooperation and through, you know, together and, you know, just figuring out how to do it? It can easily be done. It it can easily be done. um, And it's all a matter of if coaches want to do it. You know, it's it's all going to be a matter of whether or not Coaches are willing to, you know, maybe pick some games that under normal circumstances they wouldn't have wanted to pick or that they wouldn't necessarily want to play. It's it's going to be a situation where you're going to have to just keep an eye on things day by day, week by week, seeing who who's playing. Keep you, uh, keep you informed as best as I can. Quick breaking news real quick. As I mentioned, you know, I was mentioning hockey before. Henrik Lundqvist announced his retirement after a 15-year career. Big, big news there on the hockey front. Uh, so, 
but like I said, I'll I'll be sure to keep all of you guys uh, informed on everything going on. That'll just uh, wrap it up for me this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, I'm Brandon Bissabang saying so long. Hope you guys enjoy week zero of South Carolina high school football. And we should keep you on right here on the first time Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.